0: We'd like to thank you, our valued listeners, for your interest and support over the past 18-odd months. What was initially FX Radio has grown exponentially to include not just our podcasts in FX Medicine Podcast Central on iTunes, but we'd like to also introduce the recently launched FX Medicine website. This is our reservoir of resources, research and educational content for complementary medicine. Come and be a part of the community at fxmedicine.com.au. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook, and I'm here today with none other than Pete Evans, a chef of great renown in Australia, and you've become the sort of icon, the Aussie icon of the paleo diet, so I'd like to welcome you. But before I do, I want to personally thank you because you found out that we invited Dr Lauren Cordain to our first symposium way back in 2013 and you graciously developed a meal plan so that people could experience the paleo diet in its true essence so <laughs> I like to personally think because the, it surprised me and I learned a lot from it.
1: Yeah I mean whenever I promote paleo it's a small amount of meat from well-sourced land or sea animals, an abundance of vegetables. Uh, if you look at to lose weight or control your blood sugars above the ground, preferably over below the ground, but if you're sweet, all the beautiful colours of the rainbow from those vegetables and then good quality fats. And then the big message that we always push is fermented vegetables and bone broth. And that's it in a nutshell. If, it, if your plate doesn't look like that, then that isn't paleo. If it looks like brownies and cakes and breads and, and uh, nut slices, then that is not paleo. Paleo is moderate amount of meat, good quality vegetables, an abundance of them, preferably be above the ground herbs, spices, and good quality fats, and fermented foods.
0: I think the, the message that people need to realise is that that meat used to run away from you. That was the fast food <laughs> in Paleo. whereas tubers couldn't run. They were uh, available all the time and, and, and the other foods, the other plant-based foods. But I want to go back really to Pete Evans. Yep. What – tell us about your experience becoming a chef, be, being in a, a restaurateur, yep. and, and – what changed for you to say, we really need to look, be looking at our diet? Uh,
1: OK, I became a chef because it was a life skill that I didn't have. Uh, I, I wanted to have a different path, or career path, and, and I wasn't able to fulfill that. Through, through the um, schooling system and the education system, uh, I flunked English. Yeah. But I was great at maths, and I wanted to be an accountant. And, oh, really? And at the time, you needed to pass English. To go to school to yeah. be uh, an accountant. So I thought, well, I better get a trade behind me. And I looked at all the trades available plumber, electrician, builder, hairdresser, butcher. And I thought, well, what's the one job or trade that if I learn it, it'll it'll benefit me for the rest of my life? And it was a no brainer. I mean, cooking. Mm. If I learned how to cook for three or four years, I'll be able to cook for the rest of my life and cook for my family and then teach my kids. And um, So I did that. I had no passion for it. But once I got stuck into it, then the passion developed. Ah, okay. And the love developed. And then I realised, oh, I'm not too bad at this, you know, um, because I believe anyone can cook and I believe anyone can cook well. Because if I can do it, a kid from the Goldie that had no passion for it, um, how I tackled looking at uh, food was... The hard stuff's already been done. All the recipes have been developed all across the globe. It's a set of ingredients cooked in a certain method with a desired outcome. It's as simple as that. Um, and tell that to
0: my kitchen rules right. contestants
1: <laughs> well yeah well, we don't have the buzzer going we don't have five cameras around us and we don't have teams we're cooking with <laughs> and stuff like that I mean that's entertainment but and food could be entertainment as well a lot of people see food as, as uh, a nutrient devoid form of entertainment as my friend Nora Gagaudis calls it yeah. Um but so I wanted to learn a life skill and I think in the future that has to be brought back into our education system and I'm not talking about home ec where you learn how to make lamingtons and sponge cakes and crap like that. I mean real nutrient-dense food so the, by the time kids leave high school or at least by grade 10, so by the time they're 15, they're competent that they can cook 10 nutrient-dense dishes that are budget-friendly, available at supermarkets and they can do in 20 minutes. That's the goal. Because if I had have had that education, I would never have become a chef.
0: okay. The pervading message of fat versus carbs, you know, the old French diets and how they cooked, it's all changed over the um, last few decades. What changes have you seen with regards to how you cook? Uh,
1: With how I cook personally or how Australians cook?
0: How you cook first.
1: Uh, Well, I studied, I went to TAFE. And did an apprenticeship and we learnt back then the French tradition of cooking. Uh, we learned how to make broths and stocks, that was the building base, building blocks for flavor mm-hmm. for our sauces. Uh, we learned butchery. We learned a lot of these uh, basic uh, cookery skills and how to how to get real food onto the plate. Mm. Uh, so my cooking skills or cooking style hasn't really changed that much since culinary school. I mean, we're still making bone broths to this day uh, because now we understand, back then it was about flavour. It's still about flavour but actually now it's about nutrition. What is actually in that? Why did these different societies and cultures like the French or the Asian or Mediterranean always cook up the bones of the animals in water with some vegetables as that base? And now we now know that the bones contain collagen and, and gelatin and uh, glucosamine and all these wonderful magnesium and potassium and calcium, wonderful things for our bodies. So in, in essence, when I was learning to cook, I was sort of getting a nutritional, I guess, um, training, even though we didn't know it at the time. So my cooking style really hasn't changed that much because I'm still cooking real food. And when I learned to cook... That's all we learned how to cook was real food.
0: Going on from that real food, food in itself has changed. Like a a cow these days is brought to market earlier and force-fed high-carb sorts of foods to be able to make it appealing to the consumer. How do you find that has changed over when you began cooking to now? Do you find great changes in raw, unprocessed foods?
1: Well, as a chef, I haven't seen that much of a difference in the quality of the the produce that we can access, yeah. I've seen a huge change in the quality of the produce that the public can access right, or has access to. So chefs generally ha- can pick the best of the best. So chefs have always wanted to cook seasonally. They've always wanted to get foods that had been untampered with, so organic. They've always wanted to get the best pigs or seafood or cattle or chickens or peaches or whatever it may be, herbs. So we've always wanted the best quality. And with the best quality comes with the best um, production methods. So the farmers that are treating their animals with respect and, and farming them holistically and doing the right thing by the environment. So again, I've been quite blessed as a chef to basically have that as our default um, way that we source our food, but as, a, as, a, as the general public, I mean, the difference in what we can access these days for, for the mass population, wow, I mean, there's, there's some major issues with our production lot, with, our, with how we get our food and what's available for us. And this is why we always encourage people to support farmer's markets. Uh, grow your own if you can, form a co-op. Um, there are ways to do this and there's ways to support the people that are doing the right thing as well. Um, will this ever take hold for the mass population? Probably not. I think there'll always be people that have no interest in health or think that uh, it doesn't affect them, the food that they eat or the choices that they make. and you know, we're here for a short time, let's have fun. <laughs> yeah. But then there's the other, other side of the coin where there's people that really want to look after themselves and, and create a better life for themselves and their family. And if they want to, the product is there or the produce is there for them to be able to achieve that.
0: You're a big fan of the paleo diet. Correct. I really think most people get it wrong. Why? Why do they concentrate on meat as being the paleo thing because it's a caveman. What's the key message that's being lost?
1: Well, I think that when we talk about paleo as I defined it earlier, moderate amount of meat or small amount of meat with loads of vegetables, good quality fats, fermented foods, and bone broth. I mean, it's as simple as that. So have I ever, in any publication that's been put out by the media of what the paleo diet is, not one journalist has ever defined it as I have just there. And I have defined it like that probably tens of thousands of times, in interviews, in talking to people, or however it comes up, that this is the paleo diet. Why do they continue, and this is how everyone promotes the paleo diet that I talk to, uh, that is doing it. Why is it that journalists still cannot do their research properly? So anyone that adopts the paleo way of life, if they've read a book a professional, someone like Nora Gaganis or Lauren Cadane or Mark Sisson or Rob Wolf, um, even some of my cookbooks. We we teach people that this is what the paleo approach is about. Um, Then it comes down to a choice for people. Will we continue to eat? the way we've been eating, or will we adopt paleo 100% or will we f- flip between both, you know? And, and that then comes down to a personal choice. Yeah. M-
0: one of my questions for you is, is, you know, we just don't live in a paleo era anymore. We, we drive cars, we have buses, we we have convenience of food like you spoke about before. We have
1: evolved, yes. So, yeah,
0: well, evolved is a questionable thing, but, but how do you... Uh, implore people to make those changes where they might have to give up some of those lovely, yummy foods. Indeed, things like staples of milk and wheat.
1: So, okay, it's 2016. I believe we live in the best of times. We have access to basically anything that we want. As a chef, you know, it's Disneyland for us. We have every spice in the world. We have every herb. We basically have any animal that we want to use. We've got bloody vegetables that we should only be able to get seasonally, but we can get all year or fruit or nuts or seeds. So as far as a chef, we can create or a home cook, you can create anything that you want. And that is super exciting. So, but... How do people give up their addictions? I mean, <laughs> this might be a, for a different podcast or for a different interview because... It's
0: a whole podcast, Well, it's, addictions of food. <laughs>
1: well, it's it's a multifaceted one because we need to talk about emotional attachment. We need to talk about uh, upbringing. We need to talk about the gut microbiome or what, what these guys are accustomed to and what the bad guys want to keep eating. Uh, we need to talk about cultural, um, uh, social interaction. We need to talk about um, self-love. We need to talk about uh, uh, our spiritual connection with something greater. I mean, it it is multifaceted.
0: Does your book talk about these sort of facets?
1: Uh, I, (laughs) I tend to focus mainly on food because that is my, I guess, my craft. My job is to take wonderful information by the world's leading experts in health and nutrition and put that into a recipe. And I am qualified to do that, 1,000%, and put that recipe out into the world and hopefully inspire people to cook nutrient-dense food for themselves and their family. That's delicious. So going back to your question, and there is an answer, how do we uh, change people's perception of what delicious is? And I don't think it's that far of a stretch because if you came over to my house, Andrew, I would cook you the most beautiful dinner, right? 100% you would say, I'm glad you cooked me a roast chicken with vegetables and we had a cup of broth and there were some fermented foods there. You would say it's absolutely delicious. But you can also go down to the store and grab yourself a cheeseburger and you may, or whatever it might be, a, a Krispy Kreme donut or whatever it might be, and you might eat that and you might say, well, that's delicious. So I don't believe that healthy food isn't delicious. I believe it's equally as delicious, if not more delicious, than junk food. So it just comes down to perception. When people don't think that they're depriving themselves of eating delicious food, well, all you have to do is replace it with delicious, healthy food. It's as simple as that. And when you realise that you're not going to miss out, but you're actually nourishing your body. And from personal experience, I've been eating paleo for the last five years. I eat so much better now. My food tastes better. Uh, It's nourishing me and I crave this food. I am addicted to healthy food because it is freaking delicious. And if you came over from my house, you would say that's a delicious meal. Mm. And my breakfasts are delicious. Every meal that we create is delicious because we're using the most beautiful food that grows or is caught or is reared on this planet and we're cooking it in a simple way.
0: You mentioned the psychological issues of eating, and, and they're huge, particularly in a time-poor society that we have. I mean, you're busy. How do you make sure that you eat paleo in the correct way? Sure. You don't bolt your food. You don't, you know, stuff things down too quickly and remain stressed. How do you do that?
1: We all have twenty-four hours in the day. We can all agree that we all have the same amount of time. We're all busy. You know, I'm no busier than yourself, and you're no busier than somebody else. We all we all live busy lives. The fundamental factor between being able to eat well and not eating well is making sure that that becomes a priority for you. Yeah? Because we all do have the 24 hours and not all of us work 24 hours a day. Some of us work 12 hours a day, others work 16 hours a day, others work 8 and then they've got after school activities with their kids, they've got this, that and the other but I believe we all have time to spend at least half an hour in the day, cooking a meal. And if you want to do this properly, it comes down to organisation and preparation and the want and the need to do this. And so what we always recommend people to do is cook in bulk. If you do paleo properly, you should cook one meal a day maximum and cook it in bulk. And then if you're happy to, eat the same thing you had for dinner for breakfast the next day. Eat it cold if you have to. When I came here today, I had a beautiful chicken and vegetable soup that we had for dinner last night. I pulled it out of the fridge. I ate it cold. I had a cup of it. And it was gelatinous and jelly and and delicious. But I was like, I don't have time to actually heat this up today. I'm just going to eat it cold. And it was yum. Mm. Now, that will do me until I eat dinner again. Because when you start to eat this way and you eat this way for anywhere from four to six weeks, you will naturally become a fat burner instead of a sugar burner. And now that's a huge, huge difference for people. Because no longer is hunger or eating a driving force to their behaviour. We eat twice a day when you eat this way and you no longer get hungry. Yesterday, for instance, I got up on stage, I spoke for six to eight hours. I had nothing to eat when I woke up. I went and did that event. I had some bone marrow on stage and I had chicken and vegetable soup last night. That was one meal. And I wasn't hungry throughout the day. And I'm not hungry now. We've been doing this now for six hours today with, <laughs> with different interviews. And it's the most beautiful thing to be able to tell someone that their lifelong addiction to food or uh, hunger mm. and cravings Will disappear. will yeah. disappear yeah. if they do this 100% for a period of time and usually it's, it only takes four to six weeks.
0: So that's what I was going to ask you now is that those people that have read your book, uh, our major cravings if you like, our ma- major food addictions would be wheat, sugar, um, coffee and alcohol in and Australia. And dairy. And dairy, you're right, five, <laughs> our five addictions. So when people leave those behind, they read your book, they embrace your recipes, they take on that paleo lifestyle, including rest, exercise. Tell me what sort of messages you've got from the people that have read your book.
1: Uh, Well, we did a seminar yesterday for 500 people and all I got was, thank you, you've changed our lives, all my life. And I go, well, you actually changed it. I had no part to play. I just... Gave you some information that was passed on to me. I haven't created this. All I'm doing is is uh, standing up and uh, sp- not scared to spread this message. I have nothing to lose. I can't I can't be deregistered. I have a choice to put out nutrient dense recipes, or I have a choice to put out what I used to put out. I did a book on pizzas. I've done books with heaps of uh, recipes. We're using refined sugar or refined white flour. You know, there's chefs out there that that's all they promote. And you never hear a peep in the media saying that, you know, that's bad. But as soon as you put out a, a book that's uh, potentially got some food groups missing, uh, people get up in arms yeah. and go, oh, that's unhealthy. Well, like, oh, no, actually, it's 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 quite good. You should give it a shot.
0: We've got our five major food cravings that we have to deal with in our lives, in our Western lifestyle. And they're left behind with the paleo diet, sugar, coffee, alcohol, wheat, dairy. What messages have people who have read your book and embraced your recipes, what messages have they gotten back to you with regards to how their life has changed?
1: Uh, it's, it's numerous. I mean, social media has been a, a wonderful invention for us, and it's a way that we share information these days. Uh, there's no filters. It gets straight out there. Um, there's no conflict of interest. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, we have over a million and a half followers through social media, and each and every day I share a different story of someone that has adopted the paleo way and has had the most amazing results. And I understand where a certain organizations come from and say N equals one. You know, you you can't say that just because one person changed their lifestyle that that means it's gonna work for everybody. Uh, Cool, you know,
0: but... But this is N equals one plus N equals one plus N equals, that's data.
1: Well, it's an N equals, I mean, personally I've shared over a thousand stories and I only share one a day. So over the last three and a half years we've shared over a thousand stories. Mm. I could share more. But I don't want to, you know, one a day is enough, you <laughs> <It's> know. Enough. <laughs> but so, and that's just me, mm. right? And I talk to doctors, uh, scientists, researchers, professors, naturopaths that are all promoting this way of life. And they tell me the same thing. For me, I still have not met or heard of one person that has adopted this that has gotten worse, right? Not one. Mm. And you would think with today's social media and everything that there, it would be a floodgate that would be open and saying, you know, I've done this. and But no, all I hear is my health has improved, my life has improved, uh, l- less medication, no medication anymore, I'm moving. Mm. I have, the, the most common one is, People in their 50s and 60s and 70s saying, I feel better than I have in my entire life and I'm ready to live my life. Now, when you hear those stories over and over and over and over again, when I first started hearing it, I thought, this is miraculous. After five years of promoting this, I see it as a matter of fact. I don't even get excited anymore. I'm like, yes, yeah, sweet. Yeah, no yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Another one here. Go, go, go get them and go inspire your family. Yeah. You know. I think and,
0: that's the true message, isn't it?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating and, and, you know, I do shed a tear sometimes, especially when it, it comes to children's health, especially children's health because you have these parents that, you know, they've tried everything, you know, they're at their wit's end and, and they don't, uh, the simple fact of removing, say, dairy or grains from the diet, you know, something so simple, right, that goes against the grain of what everybody else is doing and then the results that, from that, whether it's behavioural change or asthma or, or autoimmunity or whatever it may be, you know, and saying they've got their kids functioning and they're, they're all living a much better and healthier life and brighter life is, is just amazing. Yeah.
0: The thing that I just can't abide is we know that our previous attempts at dietary advice have failed, d- dismally, to bluntly refuse to investigate something that has an evidence base yeah. without even investigating it is just, it's, it's, yeah. it's actually poor science.
1: And going back to the N equals one study, i tell you what, <laughs> I've done it for myself, and I'll tell you what, I'm glad that I'm this N equals one mm. because that's all I need. And is this gonna become mainstream? Probably not. Uh, it could, mm. it depends, I think it could go either way. Yeah. But I definitely think if anyone wants to improve their life then this is a bloody good place to start and I always say to people give it a go for 10 or 12 weeks and then see how you feel. I said your body won't lie. You know, there might be some tweaking you need with uh, bioscreening and certain uh, integrative uh, doctors that you uh, may need some help with as well but the basis of this is a really strong foundation. Pete Evans.
0: I can't thank you enough for sharing your experiences with the paleo diet. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much.
1: Small amount of meat, loads of vegetables, good quality fats, fermented foods and bone broth. Happy days.
0: This is FX Medicine and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today on FX Medicine, please engage with us and let us know what further topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in contact with us through our website fxmedicine.com.au or look for FX Medicine in your favourite social media platform. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and we'd really like to thank those who have already rated us. It's through your continued support that enables us to bring you current, complex and relevant topics to enhance your practice of natural medicine.